Fame. So the WWE Hall of Fame is really a figurative Hall of Fame. <laughs> it's, uh, it exists in our imaginations. It lives in our hearts, Jim. It is not, it's not a place. There is no building. There is no, uh, you know, uh, now obviously the WWE has an extensive collection of video library and, you know, physical memorabilia and materials. And, you know, as we mentioned, hockey and uh, baseball and football and rock and roll Hall of Fame, country music Hall of Fame. These, these are Hall of Fames that have museums. I mean, these places have physical building museums, Hall of Fame where tourists, where fans can go to, uh, you know, obviously, you know, learn more or view uh, rare and vintage materials and memorabilia. And, you know, it is nice to have a, uh, I love museums. I love museums. I love galleries. I love, you know, obviously, it's there's something to be said about that, that to have that, that connection with especially if it's it's a sport or an art that you love and that has influenced you, it's nice to be able to go to a place and say, you know, uh, thank you uh, for 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 influencing me. Thank you for for what you've done for my life. And and it's nice to go to a museum. So the WWE Hall of Fame, as I said, we know WWE has a certain amount of a collection. I think it's plausible. Uh, that if they were to build a, a physical Hall of Fame, they would be able to uh, fill it with enough merchandise. And I think it would be good to have a WWE Hall of Fame, a physical Hall of Fame, and yet they don't. And so I find that very curious. Uh, and I, as far as I know, I don't think there are plans to to uh, to build one. And so I guess my further question is, is it really a full Hall of Fame when it's not a place? Does it need to be a place? Uh, well, I'm someone who uh, you, many would be surprised, but I, I'm sure Michael won't because I've been arguing with you for an hour. <laughs> but it's, uh, I'm I'm actually against the idea of the WWE having a physical Hall of Fame, and you know that's for several reasons, not the least of which being the reason the WWE is successful is because they're a touring brand. You know, Toronto is a great place for the NHL Hall of Fame because it's the largest city in, in Canada. It's the biggest tourist city. Uh, Cooperstown, I don't know anyone who's decided they want to go spend their vacation in Cooperstown, but it's a drive from one of their largest tourist cities in their entire nation. Yeah. You know, with, with the WWE, the issue, once again, going back ever since the territory days fizzled out, they have built their entire empire on going town to town. So the idea of somebody being like, I want to go to Stamford and see the WWE hall of fame while the actual show is in Corpus Christi or in, you know, Everett Washington, or you know, it, it doesn't make sense because you, and it also defeats the purpose of it being any you know, available 12 months a year because they just, I don't see it being a big enough draw unless they have serious government well, subsidy like Cooper's well, But does. how does, and again, these other Hall of Fames, how did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and, and such, how do they function year round? You know, I'm assuming that they funded. have a regular stream of ticketed attendees that go attend and and you know the WWE has a loyal fan base 
around the world. I mean, I certainly would go to the Hall of Fame. Now, in Stanford, Connecticut, maybe you're right. I mean, I, but if this was, if they had it in Los Angeles, in New York, you know, maybe as part of Madison Square Garden yeah. or Orlando, if they put it in a hot spot, I mean, I, I would, I, I, I don't see why it wouldn't do well economically for tickets. Well, what hurts them is they actually have done it before. And that was through their attempt at becoming the Hard Rock Cafe with WWF New York, the restaurant. They, you know, pepper the place with memorabilia. They'd have uh, cutaway segments where they'd bring wrestlers to do live uh, remote, revo- uh, sorry, remotes during, you know, these big pay-per-view events where people essentially are going for dinner. Uh, and they lost a ton of money. You know, despite the fact that an interview guest of mine, uh, WWE legend Terry Runnels, said that they had the best chicken fingers <laughs> ever. But the the fact is they, they tried it, and eventually it was a big money loser. And a lot of these Hall of Fames, they are money losers. The reason why they, they succeed year-round is because of government funding. You know, they, they do have subsidy to help them get through... And the fact that they are historic—well, I'd say historical buildings—they're—they're they're historical. The WWE is still, you know, only really only goes back to the seventies. Yeah, early. You know, they're 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 yeah. the world. Whereas Cooperstown, yeah. Cooperstown goes back to the eighteen hundreds. Yeah. You know, uh, the NHL started nineteen seventeen, but the Stanley Cup goes back to I believe nineteen oh four. So, I mean, it's it's not old enough by comparison to have that kind of lineage that the Sports Hall of Fame's got. And once again, it's not a sport, so it's not Sports Hall of Fame parallel. I don't see people in August, even in August, going to Orlando specifically to go to the WWE Hall of Fame. Not when the entire empire is built on them going town to town. Again... Uh, pointing out how it's not a parallel to sports to these the leagues themselves have uh, you know their big stations all over but essentially the team you follow is the team that is local to you so you the reason why you go to these games would be because you know the games are in your city so you're going to go to these events that are in your city with the wwe the most sensical thing they can do is have the Hall of Fame tour, which they do as part of fan access. Right. So you think uh, if the WWE, if the Hall of Fame was maybe packaged as a traveling show, maybe with a Monday Night Raw or you know other pay per views, you think it could be at at the very least with the pay per views, a hundred percent. If they go to Toronto and they do, you know, they'll let's face it, they go to Toronto, they'll do SummerSlam, they'll do NXT Takeover. It's already two big events. Why not set? And I've seen how they do it. They will bring two semi trucks and like an ice cream truck that is specifically fitted to sell merchandise to sit outside the building. So they could absolutely do a thing where, okay, we're going to do takeover on Sunday night. We're going to do the paper, or sorry, takeover on Saturday night. We're going to do the pay per view on Sunday night. How about on Sunday afternoon, we have this big Hall of Fame exhibit? You know, because the fans that came in for the whole weekend, they're going to need something to do at 2 p.m. while they're waiting for the doors to open up. It's the most sensical way that 
in my opinion, for them to do an actual Hall of Fame. Because if they're not stationed to a territory as, you know, the predecessor the WWWF was, then they need to go by the same business platform, and that would be to tour. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think those are great points, and, and I think that would be interesting. Certainly, I, you know, hasn't been any shows lately because they've all been in Florida because of the pandemic. But certainly once the, the traveling begins again, I think that's a, that's a, a very unique uh, way of doing it. Um, conversely, like I said, because I enjoy the museum experience and, and you know, the, the gallery experience, I, I think a case could be made for the economic viability of a set place in a set location for WWE Hall of Fame. But, you know, uh, I, 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 that's something that I'm sort of on the fence on. I mean, I, I would like to see yeah. a physical Hall of Fame, but I, I, I hear your arguments totally, and I think that's also a great idea. Um, I guess whether it's a, it's a set place or a moving exhibition, what I really would like to see is this memorabilia, because you know that WWE has it. Uh, I mean, oh, you know, you know, there's some amazing things. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't realize that I, I was in attendance for the most controversial fan access because uh, they had set up a, a wing in New Orleans in the smooth. Actually, I don't think it was in the Smoothie King Center. I don't remember what building fan access was in, but uh, the you know, they had Mr. Perfect singlet. They had uh, they had something belonging to Andre the Giant. They had the British Bulldogs boots. Which it turned out, the WWE was supposed to have given back to the Smith family long time prior, and they had to go through this big public ordeal to get Davy Boy Smith's gear back because they essentially tried to keep what they claimed they were going to borrow. I believe they also have, you know, the original ring from uh, WrestleMania, the first WrestleMania, among other things, and yeah, and so there's championship belts there's attire as you said singlets there's so many you know oh, yeah. props that like... that you know could be on display <laughs> you just you just gave me a flashback oh my i've attended some really really controversial stuff they've got the the elimination chamber the original chamber because when i attended in 2017 there was a big stink that some fan hopped over the velvet rope and climbed the chamber really wow so there you go. It was hilarious. I mean, so the point being, uh, there is great stuff to be on display. Uh, and I, I think that would certainly uh, legitimize the, the Hall of Fame even more if fans could have more regular access to this material. It's, you know, just like, you know, you go to Toronto for the Hockey Hall of Fame, you see the Stanley Cup. You touch the Stanley Cup. You, it, It's part of... It's If you're a hockey fan, you must see the Stanley Cup you know so if you're a wrestling fan and you've watched WWE and which you know who hasn't watched WWE as a wrestling fan you want to see certain things uh, and so <laughs> you want to touch the John Cena spinner oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so whether it's an actual building or a touring exhibition I think you know perhaps that should be the the goal is to have some sort of physical element to the Hall of Fame other than just a a ceremony, a figurative ceremony. Ceremony is physical, but a, phys- a, a figurative place. It's not, it's yeah, not it's... Mount Olympus. 
you know. A big factor is going to have to try to restore the Hall of Fame's purpose. And it does not seem like they're going through that uh, right now because they're trying to fit as many names into a double class this year rather than trying to bring back this this prestige and thank you to the builders of this business once again it's about like now the reason that they're doing it is they really really want people to tune into peacock the new right right i don't don't get me started on peacock i'm already on a, a personal gripe right now because i use the american wwe network which expired today so I now have no access to the WWE library without signing up for a hundred dollar a month cable company and then paying fifteen bucks for the network. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Just absolutely. I'm just not gonna. <laughs> uh, so that will move us to our final point uh, of you know the final point at least I have with the Hall of Fame, and you know we kind of we we sort of touched on this throughout our conversation tonight, but. The rate of induction. Uh, so uh-huh. it's just been a constant bombardment of inductees. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the Hall of Fame began in 93 with a single inductee, a singular inductee, Andre the Giant. And there wasn't a ceremony. It was Andre passed away. And what's the biggest honor we can give Andre? Let's create the Hall of Fame and let's make him the first inductee. And that's essentially what 1993 class was about. And it was oh, absolutely! Brilliant. No, perfect. That that was that was the the the, the, the perfect thing to, to have done for his legacy. So then we have ninety four, ninety five, ninety six, uh, and those from looks of it, each year they inducted seven. Right, people. and really, look you look at those are really great classes, really great strong mm-hmm. uh, contributors, builders of uh, of the early WWF, really pioneers. Although you you and I have had conversations going back and forth about some like uh, James yeah. Dudley, James Dudley was a chauffeur for the man. So I mean that's sort of a page induction. Uh, but you know, he was also a promoter. Right, he was. Yeah, you know, he was a promoter for Vince Senior. Like he he ran an arena. Like he was running an arena that uh, you know the big mans would have to go through him in order to have their show in his building. Uh, but he was a close personal friend of the family for so long. They swore they took care of him. They would take care of him for the rest of yeah. his days. And, and then they gave him an induction. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause once again, hall of fame audience. <laughs> of one. So that being said, 93, 100%. 94, 95, 96, then the hall of fame went away and came back in 2004 to coincide with WrestleMania 20. And so since 2004, and that's now 17 years, unbelievably, (laughs) they've had an induction ceremony every year. And every year the class just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Jim mentioned a few years ago they had up to 17 inductees. So that's... that's That was when they introduced the Legacy Wing, which I had... Right, Legacy Wing is basically the really, really old pioneers of wrestling or wrestlers that they just don't have footage of so they can't properly market and sell tickets yeah. for them so they put them in 
in other words, yeah, we can't make money, but we probably should do some good PR. Yeah. Uh, so that's the problem is the rate of induction. There's been, uh, you know, as, as Jim said, look at the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's it's uh, up to five inductees at a time. You know, maybe voted by voted. Here by the we peers. have just bloated classes and, you know, just star studded classes. Again, some of these inductees. It's not that they shouldn't be in there, but were they inducted too soon? You know, and really, is this model of huge classes, big stars, it's, is it really sustainable in the long run? They have done it certainly up until now, 17 years, and I'll give them kudos. But in between, they have, you know, put inductees in there, again, back to the discussion we've had, who are, who are questionable. And, uh, you know, I just... Are they building enough stars to continue this trend? Can they go another 17 years in a row with a Hall of Fame class? Do they have enough stars to do this? It's like they can, but the, when they get to that, that end of the, the timeline, we're going to be seeing names like Jack Swagger go into the Hall of Fame because they are running it way too thin. Uh, my issue that ties into this this rate of induction is that they always seem to want to have a quota to fill now for the sake of yeah. padding up these shows. We mentioned earlier, there's a main eventer, there's somebody from the Golden Era, somebody from the Attitude Era, a tag team, a faction, a woman, someone deceased, a celebrity, the Warrior Award, the Legacy Wing, a person of color, yeah. a foreign yeah. superstar. You'd you don't need so many. You need like six people and then, okay, this year, don't do a woman. Somebody will write an article on what culture about how you're a horrible person. Next year, maybe skip the, the yeah. international superstar. The year after that, okay, you got a tag team. Don't worry about the fashion. Yeah. You know, it, it. they're they're pulling so much out there that, you know, soon when Tori Wilson went in, people are like, well, Coco Beware is not the worst one anymore. <laughs> and we talked about And, and I'm, I'm sorry, I disagree because I absolutely I, defend with Tori I, Wilson in that I, Hall of Fame. And I was, I was not a fan of hers, and I, I can understand the merits. I think Tori Wilson her. is more suited than Coco Beware, but that's another discussion. <laughs> she, she was a face of the company. She brought mainstream money. She... You know, you know, reminded people after the Attitude Era that at, you know, 18 to 25, if you like people well, in nudity, you can well, still find Tori I was going to say, that's ironic Smackdown. because, you know, one of the things that made her most famous was her posing for Playboy. And that obviously doesn't fit in with WWE's current image, their PG adherence. So they can't even... Oh, no. I mean, Alexa Bliss did just mount yeah, Randy well, Orton a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I, it, it doesn't but it I, doesn't so much appeal to the kid-friendly product of the last yeah. decade no the the, the irony is that to induct tory with when they can't really fully acknowledge <laughs> certain aspects of her career you know i, I feel they with, uh, know, with i feel like they can you know, they find a way yeah, although I gotta, I gotta point out. Well, what about I've, Sunny? For God's I've sakes. fought this one before. That's just it. Sunny's <laughs> a mess. I've got my personal problems with Sunny, but uh, one of the whole reasons why people thought that China wasn't going in was because of a statement that Triple H had made that if people Google China, 
They're going to find a lot of things that WWE wasn't, doesn't want them to find out. And people immediately assumed it was the porn. And not at all the slander. Because I figured it was the slander that would keep it out. She had admitted at one point on radio, on air, that she was putting out false police reports to throw Sean Waltman in jail. You know, her she was very public about her opinions of Triple H, who runs the company. Yeah. But people, def- you know, defaulted to porn because that must be the only thing that she's ever been known for. When, yeah, Sonny had done pornography before she was in that Hall of Fame. Same. And she's done pornography yeah. after she's been in that Hall of Fame. We can't speak too much about recent years because I think she spent like six days out of jail in the last two years. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a fan yeah. of Tammy Such. Yeah. It's a surprise to few. Um, yeah, but certainly I, I, I think... So like Sable and Sonny, uh, Maria Canellis. ultimately I feel like these people will get, well, maybe not Maria anymore because she's you know also burning that bridge and, and happy to, to salt the earth so yeah. nothing grows back after the fire. Oh, oh, another Playboy cover girl, you know, by the way, you know. That's, that's exactly yeah. why I brought her up. You know, these are, these are people who posed naked in a time where it was okay and it was empowering for them to do so, which we can't say they'll never go in the Hall of Fame because who's to say? Right now, the WWE's uh, general average audience is 51 years old. So who's to say in five years it's not going to be the in thing again. Oh, sure. You know, I mean, Zelina Vega had an OnlyFans before she got fired from the company. I, I think another one that's notable for me, not that I think she'll go in the Hall of Fame, is uh, Shelly Martinez, uh, who, you know, um, was in... I still have a mad crush on ECW, the area of vampire. I, I was, I mean, that was 2006, and like, we're we're gonna lose the professionalism here. Two thousand six, I was a hoe, <laughs> and I hung around a lot of vampirists, and I was very much into that scene, and very much into Ariel, and a big defender of Kevin Thorne on ECW. I I defended Mordecai because really I'm just a glutton. Hey, too bad we never got to see him punishment. face the Undertaker. Eh? That would have been something. I mean, that was the plan, and that was, that was the, the whole point. That was the whole point. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, going back to the, the Hall of Fame in terms of the rate of induction, you know, and again, there are stars in there who I think they're not weighted, quite frankly. To me, the the one that, uh, that really defines being prematurely inducted is Edge. Edge absolutely is a Hall of Famer. In the, so it's not about that he's in the Hall of Fame. It's when he was inducted. He was inducted in 2012. And... Yeah, I mean, and now he's back. I mean, we've known that, obviously. he At the time, he had retired for good, and that was it. Uh, that being said, you know, now, that was about 2012. Now would be maybe the time to induct Edge, because he's been out of it for 10 years, you know. But that they inducted him so quickly, it was... I mean, to me, again, yes, you're right, Jim. It was about selling tickets and capitalizing on Edge's popularity, and I get that. But, you know, you talk about sustaining the Hall of Fame in the future. Edge is a future Hall of Famer, and yet now they've already inducted him, so they can't use him anymore, you know, you know if that makes sense. Well, I mean, they, they can. It would just be Edge and Christian, but we're going to have to wait for right. somebody else's contract to expire. 
I, I, when it comes to Edge, he was a unique case. He was an outlier. The closest comparable was Eddie Guerrero, who also went in the Hall of Fame four months after he passed away. And I know it's like comparing somebody who had spinal stenosis with somebody who passed away. The point was they believe, you know, they're not coming yeah. back. In Eddie's case, obviously, so, definitively, yeah. Yeah. And, and the idea is while the notion is still hot, while they still have a name draw to make money for the company, that they should capitalize because – Let's let's be honest here. Before rumblings of Edge coming back in in 2020, you look at like 2017. Who's talking about Edge? You know, I mean, I think they were talking about that god awful skit show that that he and Christian had on the WWE Network. That you know, the Edge and Christian show that totally reeked. Yeah. But but the idea was like, and you look back at that 2012 pool. He was the biggest name they had. You know, the, the other well, quote see, of, and then, the and we talk Simmons, about 2012 was, class, you know, for instance, why could why could Ron Simmons not be a headliner because he's black? You know, it was because he wasn't it's because in terms of WWE, he wasn't a headliner. But see, he, was again, Assad. he had a blue he had a blue condom on his head and then formed a group that they really didn't like was originally just meant to but, be a political jab. Yeah. And you're telling me that there was okay. That, you know, I mean, that may be that may be fair, but he. It's like all all due respect to Farouk, he's not the Rock, and all due respect to Ron Simmons, he's well, not okay. Edge. But are you telling me that's fine? Okay, <laughs> but are you telling me that they couldn't find? Okay, for instance, the year following Mick Foley was inducted in 2013. You know, they couldn't have got Mick Foley in 2012. I don't know the circumstances. Maybe he wasn't available. I do believe in 2012 he wasn't available. I believe he was still okay. with TNA. Well, so again, I... even even though hilariously 2012 Ric Flair was with TNA as part of the Horsemen. Yeah. yeah, I mean that means yeah. so. You know, it's like, are we really going to send Christian? Remember, we talked about earlier. Uh, you know, in certain inductees who are in before others, and you know, are you telling me they couldn't mm-hmm. find anybody else in 2012? They had to go for Edge. Well, it's like I'm I'm looking at the 2013 class and I'm not seeing somebody of Edge's caliber. Well, San Martino, you know, right? But they, they, Booker, that was a would, long process. Yeah, but yeah, that's true. And it's like you look at 2014. The headline 2014 had a really strong class, you know, despite Carlos Colon and Mr. T. You know, but like 2012 did not have an Ultimate Warrior. They had Yokozuna, but Yokozuna had already yeah. passed away. You know, so like they needed somebody to sell tickets. And as recently as 11 months earlier, Edge was world heavyweight champion. Yeah. No, no. And, and again, so it's not, it's not. But that 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 leads to the exact problem that we're discussing here. That pool thins out and then they have to start doing double. Which is what is and then they. Yeah. And then they have to start doing makeup inductions because they put Razor Ramon in instead of Scott Hall. Character inductions, yeah. Yep. Not another problem. <laughs> yeah. It's like the the reality is like they, they and the WWE at this point had this horrible, horrible problem for letting their shows run way too long. I mean, I attended the longest WrestleMania in history and like including the kickoff show, it was like seven hours and forty five minutes. It was a nightmare. You know? Just have a two hour show. 
fans are going to pay that 30 bucks for a two hour show and they're going to pay that for a you know a six hour show but they're they're not going to be upset because the two hour show had enough quality to it you know it sometimes oh, no, less I, is it, more. It, it, it uh it, it it puts a strain on on a person's endurance and patience. Absolutely, I I, I felt tired watching it on uh, pay per view or on the WWE network. I can imagine what it was like for you to be in attendance. So, yeah, oh no, and you told me about that. I, I, did I, did I, yeah, it's like I'm sure I told you about the water bottle incident. You know, issues at Camping World Stadium it was a nightmare. Uh, but yeah, so the I mean there, it's team ahead with the the Hall of Fame. Good classes, you know, like we said, I, I there are still a number of prominent names to be inducted. So they can keep it going, certainly for a number of years, but really long, long term. I, I seriously question, Jim, if, if they can keep doing at this rate. I, I just don't think that the people, the names are there. Or it's just going to get to the point where anybody who has ever worked with WWE will be inducted. Yeah, and, and essentially that's where they're going. They're getting to that point where it's like 2024's tag team induction is going to be the headbangers. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's going to be a situation like that because they, they just refuse to scale back. Yeah. And I, like, I, and that's, not, I, I feel awful. That's the first time all yeah, night I've ever been back. Today, they're skating Michael. back. And are they building future Hall of Famers? Other than, you know, other than that's, the true, I should say, say, true Hall of Famers. Because if everybody's going to be inducted, yeah. then they're all Hall of Famers. But, I mean, are they building really legitimate, deserving Hall of Famers? I mean, I, I've said this probably six times in it's the last about hour them. and a half, though. I don't think it's, it's it, well, it, there's not going to be such thing as a true Hall of Famer because it's a relative thing. And as I mentioned earlier... Daniel Bryan, the curious case of Daniel Bryan right now, who's about to go and have a, a, a universal title match on a boat. It, it, it comes down to everyone has a different opinion on what qualifies as a Hall of Fame worthy career, but only one of them has a vote. And that one is Vince McMahon. You know McMahon. what's interesting? Uh, I always thought, when would Vince McMahon go in the Hall of Fame? And I guess he won't. He has to die. <laughs> I mean, he can... it, it, it sounds really callous of me to say that. He has to die. He fired a writer, RJ City, because they had writers uh, going through Hall of Fame inductee speeches. And Bret Hart thanked Vince McMahon. And he fired RJ City because there's a strict yeah. don't mention Vince policy. Because, I mean, let's face it, that's tooting your own horn. Everybody knows Vince yeah. runs the company. And he already has enough heat for some of the stupid decisions. So that decisions being said, you think it's the same for Triple H? I mean, he was inducted as part of DX, but as a single solo career, that might be not going to happen. I feel like I feel like Triple H will go in before Vince does. Hmm. I feel like that is that is the case. Triple H will go in before Vince does, uh, and he'll he'll happily take it, you know, with modesty and appreciation. Vince will go in when he has passed away because, you know, that's the way his father did it. That's the way he's going to do it. Very interesting. Well, well, you know, this is a topic, obviously, it's great pleasure. Time goes by very quickly when when you're having a robust discussion. Absolutely. We we could we could go another eight hours. Yeah. But we don't want to break WrestleMania's record. So. 
We'll end it there. I, I've got water this time. I, I want to thank Jim, Jimmy the Freak, uh, once again for joining me on this podcast. I hope our listeners have enjoyed uh, you know, some of our discussion here. Uh, the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2020 and 21, because last year there couldn't be a ceremony, is going to be held together this year on April 8th, I believe. April 6th. Okay, so if you're interested in that, you know, and, and after hearing what we've discussed and you want to you know, watch it for yourself. Certainly check that out. Uh, Jim, thank you again. As always, it's a great pleasure. And, and uh, can you tell our viewers where they can find you online? Because you have a YouTube channel. That's right. Well, thir- firstly, thank you for, th- for uh, <laughs> thank you for thanking me. Thank you for having me on this. Uh, it's, it's nice to bounce ideas off people who aren't immediately defaulting to wrestling's fake and you're stupid, <laughs> which I get a lot of. Uh, you can find my content, which I promise you is more bite-sized in nature, usually between four and nine minutes long, at uh, Jobbed Out Wrestling on YouTube. You can find it at your youtube.com slash J-O-B-D-O-U-T, or searching Jobbed Out, uh, similar manner, but with an apostrophe, J-O-B apostrophe D-O-U-T. You can also find my Twitter. I have two, because I got banned once. Not going to talk <laughs> about it. But uh, uh, my two tweet Twitters are Tefreak Tweets, that's T-E-H-F-R-E-A-K Tweets, and Jobbed Out, no apostrophe. I think that yeah. was Yeah, and again, so if you're interested in, uh, in you know, there's a lot of, if you go on YouTube, you'll, you'll be sure, sure to find a, a, quite a number of wrestling commentators. Some of them are quite good, and, you know, some of them not so much. I would consider Jim to be in the category of the, of the, good and informed and uh you know as he said succinct wrestling commentator so it's always a pleasure to hear his takes so check his stuff out i'm on twitter maestro michael too of course you can uh, read my material on before the cyborgs.com yeah, apologies to our you know our, our readers that we really haven't been as active as we should have been but of course this is pandemic has just destroyed the box office and theatrical releases and uh you know there yeah, there's only so many times you can talk about what movie is appearing on Disney Plus before you just go on rants about them wanting to charge an extra thirty dollars on top yeah, of your subscription. Yeah, that, that, absolutely, and, and not only that, a person can have one streaming service, but you can't have them all. And you know, so even if yeah. you know, if I have Netflix or if I have uh, Amazon Prime, then I don't have you know hulu or whatever it is you know i'm not even aware of all the other ones because i don't have them i don't have disney plus for instance so it's 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 true can't forget hbo max yeah so it's hard to keep up uh, you and i are gonna have to try to figure out how to get peacock at the yeah for the WWE network absolutely so uh keep tuned to the site and uh you know i uh we hope to have more uh movie and other pop culture related content up soon Thank you for listening. Once again, Jim, always a pleasure. And uh, yeah, we'll see you at the match. Thank matches. you very much for having me.